0: All right, take one, episode one, Tuesday, October 15th. All right, hello, welcome everybody to um, Post Game Panic. It is Tuesday, October the 15th, Um, depending on where you are when this comes out. Maybe it comes out at midnight for you, whatever. Um, The point is, uh, week six, I believe, yeah, week six of the NFL season is over, so we're going to give some knee-jerk reactions to that. Uh, the MLB playoffs are going on, so we will continue to, or I guess not continue, but we will talk about that, um, and yeah, we'll just dive into all the sports, NBA is about to get up and going, so uh, let's go ahead and start off with week six of the NFL season, which started on Thursday Night Football when the Giants played the Patriots. Um, it was a bad game, the Patriots are just a lot better. Um, still though, the Patriots offense, um, a little bit of woes, but yeah. Um, Nothing really to worry about because their defense is out giving up four and a half points a game, which is uh, not human. So it's whatever there. You know, that game was just complete crap. Um, you know, I don't know what the NFL was thinking when they were putting that on Thursday Night Football, thinking anybody cared about that game. Um, I personally was watching baseball um, because, I mean, again, it was terrible. So going back to that Thursday, I guess that's when we can just start talking about all things. Uh, the Astros won Game 5 of the ALDS that night against the Rays, 6-1. Uh, Garrett Cole was phenomenal, but um, there's not really much to talk about there. Uh, I'm sure people want to hear about the NFL a lot more than they want to hear about the NBA, or the MLB. I'm tripping. Um, we'll get into the NLCS after. We'll start. I guess we'll just start the NFL. Um, Sunday, first game of the day, Panthers um, beat the Bucks, 37-26 in London, uh, and now... After Kyle Allen is now a combined 6-0 as a starter in this league, even though he didn't start in college, uh, there's a lot of controversy in uh, Carolina as to does Cam Newton get the job back whenever um, he is healthy enough to get it back. And personally, I'd say no. Um, this is a team that's 4-0 with Kyle Allen this year. They were 2-0 and with him last year. Um, two touchdowns this week. He's playing at a really good level. I mean, I don't know how you take him out. The team is playing absolutely awesome with him. Um, and yeah, the competition they've played hasn't been great with him, but the competition they played wasn't great without him. Um, you you take a look at the beginning of the season when they lost to Tampa on Thursday Night Football earlier, uh, that was Cam Newton not being able to get the job done. And of course they lost to the Rams week one, which now looks like a worse loss than it really did at the time. But He's beating the Cardinals, the Texans, which is a pretty good feat, the Jags and the bucks Uh, they're going to get a bye week and go to San Francisco. We'll see a lot about Kyle Allen then. As for Tampa, Jameis Winston sucks. And uh, he's a bust through five picks. Um, Bruce Arians is trying to fix him, trying to make him a better quarterback. It's not going to happen. James Winston is garbage. Um, That's all for that game, really. I'm not sure too many people are Panthers or Bucks fans out there, but if you are, shout out to you. Um, I wasn't even up in time to watch the entire game, so that's that. Uh, Moving on to the other Sunday games, though. The Saints continue to win without Drew Brees. They beat the Jaguars 13-6. Uh, Main shoe or Gardner Minshew mania kind of took a halt. He didn't have a very good day. Teddy Bridgewater He got the job done, you know, they didn't do a lot offensively but their defense is awesome. They're 4-0 without Drew Brees and uh, Honestly them and San Francisco right now would be my two favorites in the uh, the NFC um, I don't know. I just think the Saints have an opportunity to be lethal in the NFC once Brees gets back they get home field again It'll be interesting to see what happens. As for the Jaguars, um, I still think Gardner is the best option going forward. Um, even when Nick Foles is able to come back, but uh, that's that's a topic for another time down the road. Um, the Baltimore Ravens beat the Bengals 23-17. The Bengals are terrible. Andy Dalton's terrible. Uh, Lamar Jackson's not much better, though. He can't really throw the football. All he can do is run, which I'm surprised nobody's been able to stop so far. He ran for 152 yards this past week. Um, Bengals fall to 0-6, and uh, it looks like they'll be in the market for a quarterback because Andy Dalton is just garbage, and Baltimore goes to 4-2, and two and it looks like they're just going to be the best and the worst division in the AFC North. This was a shocker. The Vikings beat the Eagles 38-20, um, and, and I would say this. This was a statement win for Kirk Cousins because Kirk Cousins comes into the season, and he's got a combined 5-27 and 27 record against teams that have a winning record in the NFL. Um, there's no secret he has been unable to win the big game. He has just been uh, pretty bad. But he comes out versus Philly, who is a bad secondary. They're depleted. I'll give I'll give that. But he lit it up. Four touchdowns, 333 yards. I get there at home, but still, it was big. There's been a lot of pressure on him after that Bears game that they were just horrible in, uh, that Phelan and Diggs have put on him. But he's been... Pretty good since the two weeks before, or the, the two weeks after um, all that controversy started. As for the Eagles, my God, they need a corner. They have to get a corner now. I mean, that secondary is just trash. Um, Wentz, not a bad day. They didn't really ever get a ground game established, so that's uh, a, a bit of a problem in its own. Minnesota moves to four and two as they trying to keep pace in the NFC North, which is the best division of football, I think. Uh, And then the Eagles are 3-3, but the Cowboys are just as bad as Philly right now, so there's no need to worry. Um, Another noon game, entertaining one. Seahawks beat the Browns 32-28. Cleveland drops 2-4. Seattle 5-1, another team that might be able to win the NFC, might be able to get out of there. Uh, Russell Wilson, just a baller. Just just an absolute baller. Two touchdowns, I think he's the MVP right now. Baker, another three-interception game. Uh, Not good for the Browns. We'll gloss over to Texans Chiefs, and the Chiefs are in a load of trouble because they can't stop the run, and I think we're going to have to dive into this game because this was the noon game I was really watching. Um, And I've, you know, been watching the Chiefs. I've seen every game this year from Kansas City, and it's it's baffling to me how a team can change so much in one-off season defensively from personnel to scheme to coaching, you know, all of that changed. You know, they get rid of D4. They get rid of Justin Houston. They get rid of Orlando Scandrick. They get rid of uh, Eric Berry. They get, even though Berry didn't play a lot last year. They get rid of these guys, and I'm, there's probably more that I'm not even thinking of right now. And you know, they bring in Okba, Frank Clark, um, Tyron Matthew, Rashad Breland. I mean, they're bringing in a whole new batch of guys, and then of course they bring in Steve Spagnola, and they're worse. I, I honestly think at least versus the run, they are worse. They are getting just mauled on the defensive line. Kansas City is in serious jeopardy of getting a first-round bye because this team just lost two in a row at home, and the first one was terrible. This one, the offense actually played a little better with Tyreek coming back. But Kansas City's got a big-time problem because they can't stop the run, they can't run the ball, their time of possession is horrible. Um... It's bad. I don't I don't know what else to say other than it's just a really bad situation in Kansas City right now. For Houston, though, statement win. Huge win for the Houston Texans. Um, Absolutely crucial win. Watson didn't play his best, but he got the job done. Mahomes, that ankle's still bothering him a little bit. Uh, but, you know, this league isn't meant for excuses. Um, as much as I like Patrick Mahomes. You know, we got, you know, teams got to get going. Chiefs got to get this thing turned around. You know. Kansas City is not doing things right. They get a quick turnaround on Thursday night at Denver. If they don't win that, then there's a lot of talk. But, you know, the Chiefs are just, I don't know what to tell you. Their defensive line's not good. It's bad. Their linebacking core is not good. It's horrible. Uh, their coverage has probably improved a little bit this year, I would say. But that's, that's it. And, you know, the Texans, they came in there hungry, got the job done. Uh, but right now, I'd say Kansas City season's in a lot of jeopardy. I would. I don't think New England loses twice this year, to be honest. So I think you already lost your chance at the one seed. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of football to be played before we can even talk about that. All right, the Redskins and Dolphins played in the Tank Bowl, and it ended fittingly, 17-16 Redskins. It ended on a two-point attempt by the Dolphins. That was dropped uh, by Kenyon Drake. This game was horrible. There's not even... We're not even going to talk about it. You know what? Nobody, Nobody cares. That game was horrible. If you watched that game and you're not a fan of Miami or Washington, I I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what you were doing with your Sunday. Uh, go to the afternoon. The Niners, with a huge statement, went over the Rams, 20-7. And this brings me into another point. Are we sure Jared Goff is a good quarterback? Because I, I'm not. I'm really not. And here's the thing. We all know he was terrible before Sean McVay got there. And I mean, that's okay. Jeff Fisher's an incompetent head coach. Um, you know, obviously a great quarterback always has a great head coach. That's typically how it works, you know. Brady Belichick, Peyton Breeze, you know. That's how it typically ends up working. Uh, however, I think we have a great coach and a average to below average quarterback in this situation. To pay Jared Goff as much as they have and to have him come out in a game versus the team that's first in your division, that you're at home and you need to win the game, And have him go 13 for 24 for 78 yards in four quarters. He threw 78 yards. It's it's simply inexcusable. On the season, he has seven touchdowns and seven interceptions. This is not like it was just a one-game occurrence. And now the team is three and three. This offense was built around Todd Gurley, and they ended up paying him first. But now that he's got the problem with his knees, his quad, they're like, well. Who do we invest in now? And they pointed the finger at Jared Goff because they wanted him to be a franchise quarterback. I'm not sure he is. My comparison has always been this. He is Andy Dalton with a good head coach. I think that's fair to say. I don't think Jared Goff is that good, and I don't know why the media doesn't slander him. He's not that good. He really isn't. He's just not that great. He's really not that great. On the other hand, though, San Francisco's legit. Their defensive line... Nick Bosa, D. Ford, DeForest Buckner. I don't even know if Solomon Thomas is getting reps at this point because of how stacked they are on the defensive line. Um, It's legit, and Richard Sherman in the secondaries got those boys playing. Uh, And Jimmy Garoppolo isn't playing great, but he's getting the job done, and Kyle Shanahan, uh, awesome head coach. Uh, Falcons, Cardinals. Cardinals win by a point. Missed extra point by, like, 50-year-old Matt Bryant. Ends up being the difference. Um, Dan Quinn's done. This is it. I know they don't fire him yet, but it's hard to imagine him getting uh, another chance. This defense is horrible, and for a defensive-minded head coach, um, that's not excusable. They fired everyone but you last year, so now it's kind of pinning at you. Similar thing happened in Green Bay. Um, They fired some people in Green Bay. Um, They fired Dom Capers, defensive coordinator, uh, I think they fired Ron Zook. Maybe that was the year after. I'm not completely sure. But they did fire some guys in Green Bay. And then the next season they were still bad, so McCarthy was the next to go. That's the way it kind of is. You know, that's the way it's going to work in Atlanta, too. They play the Rams this week at home. They're probably going to lose. Then Seattle. Then New Orleans. Then Carolina. I don't think they can win any of those games. So you're potentially looking at 1-8, 1-9. Yeah, 1-9. That's not, I mean, that's what you're looking at. You you can't beat the Cardinals. You couldn't beat the Titans at home. It's over. Dan Quinn, that experiment is over. Matt Ryan, I honestly feel bad. He's playing good football. Not not great football, but good. Um, And it's just not working. On uh, the other hand, um, Kyler Murray actually played pretty well, but who doesn't, versus the Falcons' defense. Broncos beat the Titans 16-0. Mariota gets benched. Um it appears the first two picks of the 2015 draft, Mariota and Winston, are both busts. Uh there's nothing I really need to dive into there. I think we all agree. Uh the Jets beat the Cowboys 24-22, kind of showing the effect that Sam Darnold can have on the team. Darnold played pretty well, 300 plus yards, two touchdowns. Um and Dallas again comes out napping in the first half. Third straight game without a touchdown in the first half. Um There's some talks about Jason Garrett's job. They've got a big week coming up for uh, the division. They're playing Philly at home on Sunday night. The Sunday night game this week, though, was the Steelers and Chargers, and the Steelers ended up winning that game. At one point, we're up 24-0. Hodges, the third-string guy for Pittsburgh, they've gotten down to that. Actually played pretty well. Rivers is having a nightmare season. Melvin Gordon had 18 yards. (laughs) I mean, you want to sit out and you want to get paid, Melvin, but when you come back, you're not ready. I don't know who your agent is, Melvin, but it just lost you a lot of cash, and I would just keep feeding Austin Eckler. I don't know why they don't. Austin Eckler is the better back right now. Right now, he is. I said it. I know I didn't have a podcast at the time, but I was saying it. I don't think Melvin Gordon's that big of a difference maker in Los Angeles, and he hasn't been to this point. Last night, Monday Night Football, the Packers and Lions, Detroit jumps out to an early 13-0 lead. They're looking good. Green Bay looks kind of lost. Then Green Bay gets a 14-play drive that was helped by a 12-man on the field on the field goal for Detroit. You can't really give Green Bay's offense second opportunities with Aaron Rodgers. You're going to lose. Um, And then, you know, Green Bay goes into the half down three. I don't think anybody at this point was too irate with the officiating. 13-10 at the half. I think everyone was pretty cool with how it was being called. Second half starts. We get to the fourth quarter. It's 19-13 Detroit. I still think to this point, everyone's pretty cool with the officiating. I think everybody's like, you know what, you know, I mean, you, there's some ticky-tacky call somewhere, there's some stuff, but nothing terrible. Then, the Lions go up 22-13 with just about 12 minutes left. Matt Prater hits a big 54-yard field goal for him. And the next drive, Green Bay is, I want to say they're on the Detroit side of the field, but the sack that Rogers takes takes them out of that and it's going to be fourth down in forever, and they're probably going to have to punt. And you can't even go for it. There's like nine minutes left at this point. And they call an illegal use of hands to the face on Trey Flowers. And this has fans just irate today. Um, it was a terrible call. It, it was simply a bad call. It, a missed call. Hands to the face. It was really just on his shoulder pad. It was kind of up close to the neck. In slow-mo, it looks horrible. In real, real time, you could see how a ref would miss that every so often. But it also is notable Trey Flowers has never uh, gotten that penalty before. A um, couple plays later, Rodgers throws a beautiful pass to, like, a fifth-string wide receiver for a touchdown. So Green Bay pulls within two. The next Detroit possession, they're trying to, you know, milk a little clock, so maybe get a field goal, at least to make Green Bay score a touchdown. Uh, I mean, if they can score a touchdown, game's over, probably. And Stafford goes play action deep and looks i believe it was marvin jones and then a green bay defender who i don't remember who the defender was but he got to the play early he got to the marvin jones early he hit him about like a half a second maybe a little maybe a second before the ball got there and even the guys in the booth even though they're idiots even the guys in the booth were like flag and then they were like paused and they're like no nowhere to be found and they were like really looking for it too cuz there was a bad call Uh, There should have been pass interference, and I'm surprised Matt Patricia didn't challenge it. But on the other hand, I'm not surprised Matt Patricia didn't challenge it, mainly because these refs never overturned pass interference. Why did we make it reviewable when even when they see it's clearly that they were wrong, they still won't make the adjustment? And I think mainly it's because they are offended by how much crap fans have talked on them. Is that right? No. But I feel like they are so upset, so just done with New Orleans fans and the pass interference. They you say, you know what? No. You know what? We can let the NFL Rules Committee, you know, we'll let them pass this. But we're not, we're not going to do anything with it. We're just going to be petty and we're not ever going to change anything about it. And I think that's what's been going on with it. So I don't, on the other hand, blame Patricia for not challenging it. Detroit has to punt. Green Bay gets the ball back. And... They are in field goal range at this point, which would put them up three, or excuse me, it would put them up one. Uh, it'd be 23 22 if they made this. And then Rodgers is rolling out of the pocket. There's pressure. He throws it away. There's, I believe, like a minute 45 left in the game at this point, something like that. Detroit's out of timeouts. Uh, and they, there's another flag down. It. It's another illegal hands of use to the face, or hands to the face on Trey Flowers against David Bakhtiari. And the replay it's pretty dang similar to the previous one. Where it kind of looks like he was going to, but never really does. And so Detroit fans at this point are just like, oh my god. You know, we go back to the Calvin Johnson catch that wasn't a catch all the way back in 2010. The no pass interference in the wild card game at Dallas. Um, I mean, there's just tons with them. That you just... It's unbelievable. You know, they get screwed over all the time. But I mean, so so do a lot of fans. I mean, it's not just Detroit, but Detroit loses in like the funniest ways possible. So they're obviously upset. Green Bay gets the ball, first down. They can milk the clock. Detroit tries to let Green Bay score. Green Bay, running back Jamal Williams, was smart enough not to score. They end up kicking a game-winning field goal with two seconds left to win the game by a point. But it's not just Lions fans that uh, today are really upset about this. It's the entire NFL. It's all fans. They're sick of games coming down to penalties, and they're sick of games being decided by a bad call or a bad non-call. And I think that there is a pretty easy solution to this. I don't think it's that hard. I think within inside two minutes of the game, not the half, the game. So, you know, two-minute drill in the first half, no. But two-minute drill in the second half, I think every penalty should be reviewable. And I say this because it's, it's crap. And you might say, well, the penalty, you know, the other penalty didn't come within two minutes. Well, that's fine, but you can't really make it to where all penalties are reviewable all game. You can't do that. That would just The game would take six hours. But within two minutes of the game, when it matters the most, when things are on the line, you should be able to review it. And if you don't want to do that, I've, I've heard the idea brought up that you have a guy in the booth that's watching it. He doesn't make the call. He, however, just looks at it and confirms or deny if your call is correct as a ref on the field. I don't see why that would be such a hard thing to do. You're a billion-dollar industry. All I know is fans are getting upset. It's not fun to watch your team get screwed over. It happens to basically every team, and they're sick of it. It's over. That they cannot stand it. It is a bunch of crap, and I, I don't blame them. You know, like no matter who you're rooting for, you hope to get fair officiating. Like I don't. If I was rooting for a team, I would not want them to win. Solely based on that, they kept getting breaks and calls. Like, I would much rather win the football game and just, you know what, we straight up beat that team. That's how fans want to feel. They don't want to feel like, well, you know, now all I'm going to hear from the other fan base is you guys got bailed out. Because in, in a way, it's true for Green Bay last night. Now, Green Bay could have kicked that field goal and gotten the stop, and then there would have only been one bad call. So it's not like Green Bay wasn't in position to win the game, you know, Green Bay played well enough to win that game last night, however, it got to the point where, you know, the refs basically made sure it happened, and I'm not an apologist, you know, Detroit shot themselves in the foot plenty of times, too many field goals, they settled for five field goals, you can't do that on the road, everyone knows that, but, I mean, at some point, it just gets ridiculous how much you're getting screwed over, um... So in that aspect, I do feel bad for Detroit this morning. But um, on the other hand, you, you had your opportunities. And this is a league that's pretty much built off of how you go about your opportunities when they present themselves. If you miss them, um, odds are you're going to lose the game. Detroit got out to an early 13-0 lead. They could have just buried Green Bay early. They didn't. And that's, and that's that. Um, so after six weeks... I think it's a little fun to talk about the MVP. Everyone likes to talk about MVP conversation. For me, it's not even close. It's Russell Wilson. Um, I think it's it's not a contest at the moment. You take a look at it. He's 5-1. So he's got the record. He's winning the games. His statistics to this point are 1,704 yards, 14 touchdowns, no picks. No picks. Like, 14 touchdowns, no picks. He's doing it efficiently, and they're winning. It went from Seattle was a great defense— That if Russell Wilson just didn't make a mistake, they were going to win the game? To now Seattle really has not a lot of notable players, but Russell Wilson is going to will them to win the game. They don't win that game in Cleveland yesterday, or two days ago, if Russell Wilson does not play at an elite high level. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's no doubt he's the MVP. I think um, it'd be a little ridiculous to give McCaffrey the MVP, a running back, the dude rushed for thirty one yards on Sunday. I mean, let's let's pipe down on that. I know everyone kind of, oh, you know, he's kind of a cool gadget player. You know, he's we haven't seen a running back win one in a while. But I, I think right now it's between Russell Wilson and, uh I still think Mahomes and Watson are both there. I think Mahomes, even though they've lost back to back games, I think Mahomes' statistics are still good enough. You look at him. 14 touchdowns, one pick. He's literally doing the same thing Wilson is with just one more pick, but he's throwing for more yards. So, um, you know, you look at that, and it's just, I don't know. That's just my thought on the MVP race right now. So switching over, uh, if you were just tuning in for the NFL, I'm going to segue off of that now and going to go straight to the MLB. The championship series are on right now for the both American League and National League. We're trying to see what our World Series matchup is going to be. As of right now, Uh, At the recording of this, Houston and New York are tied at a game apiece. Um, That series is honestly an epic series. Game 1, Yankees went in and dominated. Marciona Tanaka uh, just pitched outstanding. Um, Zach Grinke did not pitch great. And then Game 2 is a marathon. Went to the bottom of the 11th. Some great bullpen pitching. Uh, The Astros' Carlos Correa hit a walk-off home run to tie the game at one apiece. Honestly, this is one of the most exciting series I think I've seen in a long time in the MLB. However... Their marketing is horrible, and I think that's well-known, but listen to this. Yankees-Astros, Game 3 of the ALCS, a pretty big game, you would have to say. I mean, it's pretty hard to argue that this is not a huge game. It's starting at 4.30 Eastern Time. 4.30. Are you kidding me? You're putting the Yankees on at 4.30 in the afternoon for a playoff game? With these implications versus a team as good as Houston? Oh, but the night game, we get the Cardinals and Nationals, which is a 3-0 series in favor of the Nationals. Come on. Come on. What are we doing? Robert Manford, is that his name? I don't even know. I know the last name is Manford. You are ruining this league. You have arguably one of the best players of all time playing right now, Mike Trout, and his you do nothing to market that. The playoffs are on right now, and you're playing day games. Like, you can't do that. You cannot do that. That is so stupid. That means the game is starting at 1.30 on the West Coast. Guess what most people at 1.30 on the West Coast are doing? The younger fans are in school. The older fans are working. Not a lot of people have time to just take off on Tuesday at 1 and just watch the baseball game. That Not a lot of people have that luxury. And if it was a regular season game, fine. You know what? Who cares? You know? It's regular season. There's 162 of them. But this is a postseason game. Big implications. The winner of this game has a huge advantage in the series, especially if it's Houston. And you just... You just plan it at 430. Well, the argument against it would be, well, you don't want both games playing at the same time. We want to make sure everyone can watch every game. Uh... Do you... What? The heck are you talking about? That is such a flawed logic. Like... If you don't want them... Don't put them at the same time. Fine. Don't start them at the exact same time. Start the Yankees game at 6 Eastern or maybe 7 Eastern and then start the Nationals game at like 9 Eastern. Yeah, they'll overlap for a little bit, but I mean, at least then you get to... At least they're both prime time. I don't know, man. All I'm trying to say is the MLB's marketing is terrible. It's a great sport. October baseball is awesome, and it is just completely ruined by the marketing, and it is just not fun for the fan to have to watch the game yankees and astros at 4 30 in the afternoon if you're on the east coast which is the best case scenario if you're on the west coast 1 not a lot of people have the luxury of just staying home from work oh okay you know i'm taking off at one to watch the yankees astros not a lot of people can do that um segwaying into the nba preseason is kind of wrapping up we're getting closer to the regular season um the 22nd of October is when opening night is, Tuesday, October 22nd, so a week from today. You'll get Pelicans-Raptors, which I think more people are watching for the Pelicans than the Raptors. Even though the Raptors are the defending champs, nobody treats them like it. And then Lakers-Clippers, that game is going to be awesome to watch. Um, I'm really excited to watch that game. And then, of course, after that, Wednesday, October 23rd, we're going to get a lot of more games. A lot of teams are going to start up uh, and play. I'm really excited for NBA season, actually. This is the first season... I think a lot of people would agree with this. The first season in like... God knows how long... That coming into the season... I could see like 7 or 8 teams winning it all. Yeah, These past past 4 years... Or 5 years... Well, I'd I'd say 4. The first year I didn't see Golden State coming. The past 4 years have just been miserable. Because Golden State has just... Demolished the competition. Not to say Golden State's gone away. They're still a good team. And they're still going to be here. However... Um, they're no longer the overwhelming favorite, and we actually have some parity. And it's what, the, it's what the league needed. You know, the NFL has parity, except for the AFC, where the Patriots are just going to dominate every year. But The NFC's got great parity. The MLB has outstanding parity, you know? The Red Sox go from 108 wins in the World Series to missing the playoffs. I mean, when's the last time the Super Bowl champ went... Uh, when's the last time a team went from Super Bowl champ to missing the playoffs? Like, I... I know Philly almost did last year, but they ended up squeaking in and getting in. And of course, New England does every year, so that doesn't matter. I think it was Denver. Yeah, Denver in 15. That's because Manning retired, you know, but it's an odd circumstance. But my point is, we've gotten all this parody, and then in the NBA, it's been Cavs, Warriors, and then one year we got Raptors, Warriors. And that's been the last five years. Like if you, the Western Conference has been owned by Golden State for half a decade, and it's, it's fans are upset, they're done with it. Thank God Kevin Durant left. Um, hopefully he can get healthy soon, so the Eastern Conference gets even better. But I think right now you're looking at teams that can compete in this um, NBA that I think actually have an opportunity to win an NBA championship this year. You know, obviously you would have to stay healthy and uh, things are gonna have to go right. But I think the Bucks can do it. I think the Sixers can do it. Um, I think the Nuggets. And I know not a lot of people would agree with that, but Michael Porter. You got to understand if that man pans out, you know that's a It's a big deal. Uh, The Rockets with Westbrook this year. The Lakers, of course. I think the Warriors are still title contenders. I think the Jazz have a team that's good enough to compete. So I'm very excited for this season. You know, there's probably going to be some surprise teams that I'm not even talking about um, that are going to come up and uh, be pretty shocking. And once you know the NBA starts, um, you know, obviously this thing will be jumping. We'll have the World Series, the start of the NBA, and the NFL. We'll have. So much to talk about. October is such a great month for sports. October, November. Honestly, NBA season and NFL season when they converge, when they're when they're together, it's just a excuse me. It's just a great thing. Um, that's gonna wrap up uh, this this episode of Post Game Panic. If you have comments, questions, uh, anything you want me to discuss, make sure you comment down below. If you're tuning in on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button and tune in weekdays. Um, Every starting now, at least every Monday, Wednesday, or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'll be recording and posting a podcast. They won't always be the same length, some will be pretty long, some will be pretty short. Um, and then, if you're listening on Castbox, that's the other place where I'm at right now, please follow and tune in. And then, of course, I'm going to try and get to other places, uh, try and get this on other platforms so it's more accessible. But for now, that's all for this episode of Post Game Panic. Episode one is in the books, and I'll see you guys tomorrow.